All right, Perfect. today, you know, P for potato power, we have LGBTQ plus ally, agent of social change, potato lover, enforcer, San Jose Sharks fan favorite, friend to all, the man, the myth, the legend, Curtis Gabriel. Thank and you very much. You <laughs> so I don't know if you know anything about us, but <laughs> we talk a lot about like, uh, diversity and equality in sports, which is why you're the perfect person to come on and talk to us. Well, I just got off the phone with my girlfriend like 10 seconds ago, and um, I was going to my dentist appointment, and I called her beforehand, and as I'm talking to her and she's about to get Taco Bell, a guy comes up to her, the seventh guy of the day, and says, oh, my God, I just had to talk to you. You're so beautiful. And she goes, I'm on, my, I'm on the phone with my boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Thank you so much. And the guy stared at her and wouldn't leave. And she's like, yeah. And then he like, weirdly turned around and left. And then as I'm talking to her, he keeps coming, he goes up the staircase and then keeps poking his head around. He leaves the mall, he comes back, he's staring at her. I'm like, I gotta go to my dentist's appointment. Like, I guess I can cancel it. She's like, no, 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 I'll call your mom. She calls my mom. And now this guy is just keeps coming in and out, in and out. Next thing you know, he's got a big giant black cross in his hand and like a sadistic like symbol. And then, so my mom's like, you need to go find the security. And then she runs, she runs to the security from her Taco Bell line, finds two female security guards. She looks at him and he starts running out of the mall. So like, talk about, that's a major issue on my mind right now. Men are so messed up. It's like, you can't control themselves. Like, it's just, it's beyond me. It's, it's so I'm so glad inferior. you said that though, because I was going to make the most conscious effort to get you to say men ain't shit. <laughs> oh, that's just, it's like, uh, and, and you know, it gets to a point where it's so, every time she leaves the house, it's like over seven to 10 men that it's like, she can't report them all, but the really creepy ones, I'm really trying to push her to make sure she reports those people because he's going to do it to somebody else. Yeah. So ob obviously there was like six other respectful guys that were like, oh, okay, sorry, like, sorry to bother you. But, but that one- But is really that respectful though? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you got to look at it. Like a man can still go up and just say, excuse me, like, I think you're really pretty. Like, can I get your number? Like, that's, that's, she's fine with that. I'm fine with that. You know, like, I don't think that's, obviously you're super beautiful. It's a curse. It's a blessing, whatever. But it's, uh, you know, it is a curse sometimes for her. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, if you're respectful about it and then you leave her alone, great. Maybe if she's, if a woman's working, leave her alone. If she's doing something, but if she's walking around the mall, that's fine. But don't be a creeper, man. Like, there's just no need for that. Like, when I'm walking with her in the mall, I'm literally just looking at every dude's eyes walking by. And people, got, old dudes will just keep looking as I walk, as I walk, uh, walk by. I'll be like, are you still looking, sir? Like, you just don't care anymore. You're that old. You don't care, eh? It's crazy. I would be terrified to look at her with you next to her. <laughs> <sighs> But it just makes me feel terrible being like, playing. I mean, I'm living my dream down here, but I can't be like near her to help her and protect her. Right. It's just tough. The life but of a woman. Time, it's, not, it's not your job to protect her, right? Like you, you don't need to feel guilty about that because no, it's not I know. I know. I, I don't. It's just like that, like primal, like instinct or whatever. But I, I know, like I talk about it with, uh, like my, like I've talked about it with my teammates. Like my girlfriend should be able to walk down the street butt ass naked. And you all should be like, oh, wow, okay, there's like a hot naked chick, but she should never feel threatened, anything like that. Like, it's 2021. We've got to be able to freaking control ourselves, for Christ's sake. Yeah, for like, some dude almost hit my car yesterday because he was, like, driving on the wrong side of the street to look at me, and I was very uncomfortable by that. And I was like, first of all, why are you driving on the wrong side of the street? Secondly, don't hit my car. You don't start a conversation with someone like that. Oh, my really? God. That's crazy. And you know, you know where this all starts is that like 
we only teach consent to men, I think it was like in eight states. Like it's only mandatory to teach consent in eight states. And like things like that all stem from like the old white men who make these like laws. And even though they're not necessarily laws, they're these social norms that we just grew up with and we think are normal. Like I would say on a normal day, I go out into the world and like, I'm not like stunning or anything, but like I get hit on a decent bit and it's, it makes me feel really uncomfortable even when they're not creepy. Like I was really? at- the- yeah. So that's something I can't relate to. So that's where as a man still, I don't know. So there yeah. it comes from you, so. Yeah, I was at the uh, the kosher grocery store. <laughs> and to be fair, I guess everyone there is in like knee length. <laughs> Skirts and whatever. This was for past You have the Orthodox so. Jews walking around, and then you have the, the Orthodox, Orthodox Jews, Jews like Naomi and I. <laughs> they were very confused to me in my like little leggings or whatever. But this guy stopped me as I was leaving the parking lot in my car. Like he got in front of my car, so I couldn't leave. And this was literally like just whenever Passover was, and I'm a bad Jew, so I don't remember when that was. But it was I recent. Didn't think Passover was the fasting holiday. Yeah, I'm not that bad. But anyways, he was just like in front of my car and wouldn't leave until I talked to him. I was like. That's gross. It's so common too. Like last year when I was living in Minneapolis, like my roommate literally like had this dude standing outside her car and wouldn't leave her alone. And like, she like called me. She's like, Rachel, I'm scared. Can you come help? And I didn't even think to like bring like my pepper spray or anything like that. Cause you know, I have the least bit of concern for my personal well being. So I just came out fucking swinging. I was like screaming at this dude, which I guess in Minnesota, they're not really used to that, especially from someone as short as I am. But yeah, like he was standing out there for like 30 minutes, not letting her get out of her car. That's crazy. And it's like, how do we, in society, like, how do we fix these problems? I mean, obviously, like, better education. And I know that we're going to, like, really delve into toxic masculinity. And, like, I just, I'm not sure what necessary steps we can take that will fix the generation of men who grew up in this world. That's, Mm -hmm. like, my main concern. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's when you're not teaching the consent and then you're coupled with, like, say, in my world, a hockey player who grows up with, the same kids his whole life on a travel team. And they're like, they're, you know, they're more hanging around more with those kids than anybody else in their life. And they're just a bunch of, you know, goofy dudes. And they grow up around that kind of culture. That's what happens. They, they think that's okay. Cause they haven't been taught it. And then they're around a bunch of dudes in a toxic, you know, environment. And it's just like, just double is worse. So I don't know. It's uh, like, see, even you saying it's okay. It's, you know, you, you get uncomfortable and a, a respectful guy does that. Well, a respectful guy doesn't stand outside a car for 30 minutes right. or walk your way, right? True. But like, they're, they're still gonna, we still need to be like, you know, how are you going to meet a girl and go up to her and talk to her nicely? But yeah, it's just anything more than the, just the general, hey, how are you? I'd like to get to know you. Oh, sorry, I, I can't right now. I've got someone. It's like, okay, leave the girl alone. Like, yeah. there needs to be a hard line <laughs> after that. A hard line after that. Just totally. fuck, right, fuck off, you know? Right. Yeah. No, Rachel and I, we've had a conversation about getting hit on at the gym. Oh, my God. So often. You're just, like, in the middle of a rep, and you're just, like, someone's staring at you, and they come over. And they're just like, oh, like, hey, like, I noticed you squatting. And it's like, yeah, you have eyes. That's neat. I, too, have eyes. Um, <laughs> right, here. right, exactly. And it's like, you'll get hit on in the middle of when you're doing something. And it's, I think it's, like you were saying, it's all about setting. Like if, if I'm in a bar and I'm like kind of with some friends and someone approaches and they're like, you know, I noticed you, like, I think you're really beautiful. I'd love to get you. Like, 
totally fine. I can absolutely deal with that and be like, no thanks, I'm actually, I'm good. But I think when you're in the gym, when you're in your car and they're blocking you, like if you're following you, as soon as you say no thank you, you don't you don't need to give a reason because I've noticed also that like some guys will keep trying because they think that I'm playing like hard to get. If I'm like, oh no, thank you. Like, I'm just not interested. That has to be enough. Why does me having a boyfriend, why is that an excuse? What if I'm genuinely just not looking to meet? So, like, why do I need to come up with a reason to not be interested? Why isn't no thank you good enough? And that. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it's gonna sound really bad but it's actually gotten to the point where i have a fake phone number that i give people like i have a fake texting app that i'll like open up the contacts on that it looks exactly like an iphone texting app so like they don't really sense the difference but it's just crazy that we live in a world where so like i know i'm not the only person i know with that app who like gives out a fake phone number it's mind-blowing it really is it really is so I don't know. I wasn't raised like that. So I don't think about it like that, but that's very real. So um, even just the, like the locker room talk about guys, you know, we can talk about women being beautiful and stuff, but we need to cut it off after that. Like, you know, we can't get to an extreme like level. Like, of course, like everybody, you know, we talk in the goats, if one guy, our team just loves this certain girl, like you just think she's the hottest girl in the world. Everybody, you know, we debate it and that kind of stuff. As long as it stays within those like boundaries, don't, it can't be go farther than that. You know? Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the locker room, too, because, I mean, growing up playing hockey, that was part of why I couldn't be in the locker room with the rest of my teammates. First of all, they were all boys, and they were like, well, you're a girl. You can't do that. You have to change in the middle of the rink, like in the lobby or in the bathroom. Screw you. You don't get a locker room. But also, like, uh, like one of the excuses they gave was like, oh, you know, locker room talk. Like, they're going to make you uncomfortable. And I was like, how about you? teach them not to objectify me <laughs> like I'm their teammate mm -hmm. I don't need to be reduced down to my fucking body mm -hmm. and it's it's and it's like I'm not a, like I, I was young dumb kid I used homophobic language I was conditioned by that I, I, I I've done that objective objectified women but it's like it's okay to change it's okay to be wrong and then learn to be better you know I wasn't ever like malicious with it like I was never maliciously calling people gay because they were gay or anything. It was just what we said, but it has to be that evolution of like society and like maturing as a man, figure your stuff out, make decisions for yourself. Like that needs to happen. It's, and people just get hung up on all, oh, I'm going to get canceled if I admit I'd say that or whatever. It's like, no, the only part that's problem is you not changing. Everybody's yeah. made mistakes where nobody's a perfect human being. It's the idea that you're going to realize that and work on yourself to make it better. Like I'm still, I will still say like slight, like, homophobic things sometimes like just out of conditioning like and i'm just like oh my god like smack myself on the head because it's just been it's so long like and brock mcgillis the guy that i work with who's the first openly male because females are much farther ahead with hockey and lgbtq first openly male uh north american professional hockey player he's just like man i said it all he's like i was a womanizer he's like i've still been with more women than men and i'm a 37 year old man like i was a part of that culture too so it's that's the whole idea is that you got to be able to admit the wrong and and, and work on it Absolutely. Yeah. And I, like Rachel, had I, I played football in high school. And I so I got over the ponytail under the helmet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was really a look. But um, I definitely heard a lot of things in the locker room that I didn't appreciate. And I think that something that really impresses me about you is that you acknowledge your mistakes. And I think that that's something that's really hard to do. I have trouble with that for sure. Um, and 
growing from those mistakes, I think is really what makes you like an adult. You know, like I think that you said like when you're a dumb kid, like you did what whatever. And I think that that really separates like a boy from a man or like a girl from a woman is the ability to recognize that you've made an error and work to better yourself. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like, cause I've worked on myself enough where I'm like, I'm secure with myself now. Like I know I'm a good person. I know I only have good intentions. So if I make a mistake, I know it's genuinely, you know, I didn't know better. I was naive. That's really what I was to all these issues. So that's just, once I figured that out, I was like, okay, I can't be naive anymore. That means I'm going to have to be uncomfortable and do some work I don't want to do. So it's just kind of, you're right. It's just part of growing up and adulting. As I say to my girlfriend all the time, it's like adulting sucks. Like, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Oh yeah. 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 But it's also like um, going off of that, like, you know, when you're like a kid in the locker room, you don't necessarily feel comfortable to say something. Mm. And it's like, you're so like conditioned to like, just go with whatever the boys are doing. You got to do what the boys are doing. You're their teammates. You got to stick by them no matter what. But it's like, you get into all these different kinds of situations where you're genuinely uncomfortable, but you're also not comfortable enough to say something like, um, in a couple episodes ago, we talked about one of my friends who's a triple whammy of diversity, a black Jewish hockey player from San Diego um, in Minnesota, and just the use of like the N word in the locker room or in the league in general. Like it, and he, it's only his second year. This year was his second year with the team. And he was like, I'm not going to say anything because then all my teammates are going to turn against me. No, no. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's, I mean, I've, I'm lucky to be at least where I grew up in Canada. That wasn't like, nobody was saying that one, but you know, um, back to your point about not wanting to stand up and say anything, even though you know, it's right. It's like when I was, when I was growing up, I'm turning 28 soon. It was a big like anti-bullying movement. So that was a really like hot button topic, which was much more on our minds of, you know, stopping bullying. So like, I would be, I was comfortable back then to like stand up for like bullying. Like I got like bullied a bit. I would tell my mom and we'd, you know, call their parent and figure it out or, or in high school, somebody like bullied someone, I would like stand up to that. I, Cause I was aware and I had knowledge and, and society was talking about it, but I was, that's when I was using homophobic language, like all the time. And nobody ever said anything about that. That wasn't a, a common topic now. So it just shows you how important is all these initiatives and like, you know, and mental health stigma is now. Uh, all these things have to be aware so that kids are equipped with the information to stand up and say something, you know? Like, that's what I think has changed a lot. It's like all these things really matter. Every time you share a post about something, somebody's seeing that. Like I share, I have a platform now and it goes out, you know, last month I had, you know, 4 million impressions. So that's, everything's going out to people and their kids are seeing, oh wow, he's talking about this. This is something I'm going to look into. Or it's constantly just chipping away at all these you know, kind of things that kids are now being aware of to, to make a change when they get the opportunity. Yeah. Also, part of it is like, you don't necessarily always make that cognizant connection of like, like passive homophobic language as bullying. Like you just, it's like, oh, it's just slang, but it's not, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting to like examine, especially like in youth sports, like where it's very, rampant i mean i was lucky though uh last year i coached for a youth hockey team and this was my first experience ever with a bunch of teenage boys not a single one questioned my authority and i was the only woman there i was the only woman coach i was the youngest coach i was the smallest coach and not once did they question my right to be there and i was just shocked by that i had never experienced anything like that like even when i was playing hockey 
I felt I needed to prove myself because I was this little squirt in in this men's league and people were like, oh, she doesn't belong here. Like, don't pass it to the girl, like all that stuff. It's just, it's crazy. We live in a weird world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm curious about, Curtis, is what got you so passionate about changing your language and becoming an ally? Yeah, so I was raised by a really good, you know, parents and stepdad and my mom's amazing but she just was from Scottish immigrant parents and she was a teacher and she even knew some of these things but we just didn't grow up talking about it it was kind of just like respect everyone and you'll be fine and I was fine but I was naive and we are we we were naive so me you know I think the only experience I had with an LGBTQ member in high school was this dude who would just run around and hit on all the guys and he thought it was hilarious and back then it was like I had no idea and I was like what the heck is wrong with this guy like if you're gay just like why do you have to be so like even if a straight person runs up and hits on someone, it's really aggressive. Like that's the same, so that's the only real experience I had. And then um, as I got to, you know, I was in my first relationship and her, one of her friends came out to be in a, a relationship with another woman and or she had wealthy parents and she was unfinancially supported. And it was just like, what? Like, she was just like, we'd go walk the dogs together. She's like the sweetest human being, like the type of person that's like, you know, it's like almost too nice. Like she's just shy and like emotional and super nice and sweet. So I was like, how is this possible? Like. She literally doesn't hurt anyone and her family, her own people that raised her are unsupporting her because of who she loves. I was just like shocked. So that was my first, like, you know, have the, having the issue humanized to me. Um, and from there, it was just serendipitous that that year I get called up in time to play, you know, the, the pride night uh, for New Jersey devils. And uh, the, you know, the pride tape is um, uh, instructed to put on our tape and warm up. And then after you can take it off, but I, I didn't want to mess up anything. I was in the NHL. I'm trying to stay there. I just scored my first goal the other day. So I put it on the shaft of my stick instead. And it, as everybody was taking it off the, of their, their blades, I looked at my stick and was like, well, it's harder for me to take that off than just to leave it on and maybe some will notice. And I just went back to playing. And that's how small of a decision, a small of a decision can make like change a lot of people's lives, change my life. So I go out and score a goal, I have a great game. And after the game, my phone's blown up for you know not only scoring, but LGBTQ and, and people reaching out and, and zooming on the picture. I'm like, oh my God, did he actually do this? And people really cared about it. So for me, it went from being the issue humanized and then just a couple months later to being like, wow, this is like way bigger than I thought it was. And starting to learn that how much of the percentage of the population identifies as LGBTQ in some way or some some form. And that's really when it, it took off from there with how much, basically how much love I received from that. I just realized that there's clearly a bigger issue here that I'm naive to. Gonna be honest, I watched that interview you did with the inventor of the pride tape and I damn near cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's nice. the best person. I love these people. You're doing amazing. You're great. I'm so glad that you're here and supporting us because we love to support you. Sporty Spice first, actually wearing the real <laughs> Thank shirt. Yeah. Thank you for that getting my shirt. It's very nice. But again, it's just like, it shouldn't be a price. It shouldn't be like, oh my God, this guy's doing this great thing. It shouldn't be that way because it's just people aren't educated. Once you educate on it, it's just like, I'm just an ally amplifying an issue. Like everybody should be amplifying this issue. If you consider yourself a human being, then you should concern yourself with the, you know, things that harm other human beings. And you know, it's just, it's simple, like, Oh, this issue doesn't bother my life, so I'm not going to get involved. It's like, well, what if your mom tomorrow comes out as like, I've been suppressing my sexuality my whole life. I had four kids, but I'm gay and I didn't want to live my life finally. What would you do then? Would you shun your mom? I don't think you would. I'd probably think you'd get educated and figure it out because you love your mom. Like, it's not that hard to figure, to empathize and stuff. So I just don't get how we don't need to put people on like, you know, pedestals and stuff. Just be a good person. Like, it's, 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 
yeah, it's a little uncomfortable to work at stuff. I don't want to do this all the time. I'd rather just talk about hockey, but it's not that hard to be a good person. It really isn't. Right. But also I think you're being incredibly modest because while you're saying all these things about being a good person, like you think about how many people don't think about this every day and just look the other way when they hear these things and you have this incredible platform to be, you know, informing and inspiring people on this subject. So I, I do think that every person should be making a better effort, but I also think that you, you can't minimize and diminish the efforts that you've made by yourself because that doesn't seem fair. Like, I don't think that it should be a huge deal when you do something like that, but I do think that every little bit helps and you cannot pretend that what you're doing is not important. Cool, I appreciate that. And I, I'd agree with that, but I think we're all we're all different personalities. So like, I'm a very outgoing person. Like I just, I'm aware of my heart on my sleeve. I have a lot of energy and passion about things. So that's, I see that as my, my role to take on. I have a role in hockey. I have a role in my family's life. I have a role as a human being. So I'm just trying to do that. Not everybody's allowed a proud person or, a, you know, a lot of people can, can be great allies in, in private and in their personal life, having small conversations and not sharing it all over the place. It just, you can't be silent, you know, throughout your whole life. If you're not going to share stuff on social media, you have to be talking about it in your personal life with your family. Like the way I think about it is like every household should have like a loud person. That's the way I think of it. Like some family, there should be a loud person that's willing to say, Hey, this is our family. This is what we do. We fuck with you people. Like we don't, we, we do good things and everyone else can kind of like fall in line. So we just need those people to take the torch up and not just worry about their own life. Like I would much rather be talking about, again, I don't want to do this stuff, but you have to be uncomfortable to do this stuff. Absolutely. So, so you talked about, you know, some of the things that you do in terms of sharing, um, you know, things on social media and stuff like that. What do you think are ways that individuals can also make efforts? I know you said like having conversations at home, but like for, for people who are fans, for example, what are a few steps that they can do pretty easily to be a better ally? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, this is something that's like, I'm still working at, like, I haven't even given like a seminar yet. Like I, my girlfriend's dad's a cop and he asked about me talking to his police like a uh, unit or whatever in, in the fall. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I get ready for that. Like, I haven't done something like that yet. I, I'm just truly really trying to learn as I go and be as visible as possible. So for me, it's been like social media is a wicked tool. Like you can follow that, like at get real movement. That's an amazing uh, LGBT organization, anti LGBT, um, sorry, anti homophobia kind of organization. They're in London where I live in the summer in Toronto. Like they're a great organization. Follow Brock McGillis, my buddy who have been working closely with, we're going to start a non-for-profit, uh, queer hockey association, basically. Um, I don't know. So it's kind of like a big question, but you can see it's all on the internet. Like that's what like people always ask. It's like, it's all the answers are online. Like all you have to do is want to seek the truth. So the more important thing for me is like wanting to do it, do, finding the resources and finding the information. is like, it's everywhere now. Like it's literally everywhere. It's just, you have to want to open your mind and heart to it or you're not going to ever get close to it you know what i mean like you're just going to keep shunning it away all the time i share something or guys maybe they follow me like oh i don't need to look at that gabe's got it handled it's like no we need more people doing it so i just think it's more important to want to do something and then you're a human being you have access to the internet it's not that hard to figure it out i'm constantly just on social media i'd only follow a bunch of accounts that share this stuff and, and the amount of articles they share the amount of videos and all the humanizing that happens and then i take that and talked about it with brock and then he connects me with someone you just it just kind of unravels if you have good intentions about it that's that's what i would say about it yeah and going back to like you know like as a team like when you're celebrating pride night a lot of times like you know athletes kind of come off as disingenuous and granted you are certainly an exception to that but you know how can 
they like participate in these things without just seeming like it's a PR stunt. Like someone in PR is just like, you got to do this. This is what we're doing tonight. This is how we're honoring the community. You don't have to do it throughout the whole game, but you have to do it through warmups. Like how do you walk that line of doing what you're told, but still being genuine about it? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's kind of like a, it's a hard one too, because like I turned pro at 20 and I didn't do this stuff for, you know, four or five years. I didn't, I wasn't ready to talk about it. So, you know, when, when Brock first called me after I wore the pride tape, I was so uncomfortable. You can ask about, it. he talks about it on every podcast now that we do together, how uncomfortable I was talking to such a loud, proud, confident gay man. Cause I never had. And I was just like, he called me and he's like, I'm like, uh, oh my God, like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. He, he gets off the phone. And he's like, yeah, this guy's performative for sure. And then he, he just started to kind of follow me over the next year. And then he finally, we had another conversation. He's like, okay, you're, you're doing it now. And then we got, became friends. So I, how to be genuine. I mean, I, that's easy for me to do. I don't know other people. They're just scared. I, I guess the biggest thing is fear. So if you're just, to be genuine, you got to be yourself, but you can't be worried about you're going to get like canceled and all these people are worried about cancer culture. Like I just dove in the deep end and I'm quite fine. Clearly I'm doing well. I'm actually thriving. So clearly I haven't been canceled or, you know, my head cut off by now or, or I can't get a job because of what I represent. Like it's not going to happen. We're on the right set of history with this issue. So how to be genuine, how to do more than the performative stuff. Um, I don't know, maybe use the tape in a game like i, I got one call one buddy who plays college hockey who's wearing it um try to get more people doing that uh maybe when you do wear it and somebody hits you in the dms that is an lgbt member maybe spend the time it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation where nobody's going to see you talking to that person maybe just give you know ask them questions about it that's something you could do I'm, a lot you know these people live it every day sometimes they don't want to go into the issue because they have their own lives to live but maybe you'll get someone that wants to educate someone on that day and help you out that's a good start um you know don't always just do things when people are watching i guess that's probably the easiest way to be genuine right yeah it's very interesting yeah and also like you know like on our podcast here like we are two women in the industry that's very male dominated and very misogynistic but also we want to be able to represent people without overstepping and inserting ourselves into a narrative that we don't necessarily belong to, but still mm -hmm. representing them well enough. That's what I'm trying to always walk the line of, right? I'm trying not to piss people off. And there are those people there's I've had hate, you know, from people that think I'm not doing enough or maybe, you know, like there's always going to be people that hate you. That's just part of it. But if I think, if you, I think the key is if you girls have good intentions to represent things properly, you're going to do a pretty good job. And there's always going to be a couple people that don't like it. That's just life. There's always going to be a couple people. But if you have good intentions about it, I don't think you'll have any problem with that. I've, I've survived. So I, I know I maybe I don't come across sometimes I'm doing the best job to people, but I am. I'm trying my freaking best. You're definitely doing better than pretty much any other athlete I could think of on the top of my head right now. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's such a toxic culture to it. And going on to that, your role as an enforcer also has its own connotations to it and I know it's kind of a complicated relationship you have with it because you do stand for mental health and you know you're against the like to toxicity of the masculinity of hockey culture which I was kind of hoping you were going to be wearing your change hockey culture sweatshirt oh I, I had it on my posted it today yeah sorry yeah it's in the come on, it on Curtis get it together uh, I usually remember <laughs> but we can talk about that too no yeah um it's it's a weird dichotomy I guess with what I do um, but I think it shows people that 
that's my message is like being vulnerable is powerful. Like all I am is vulnerable online and people, you know, I'm a simp. I'm uh, the go hard, you know, people just comment now on hockey posts. I post like, how long have you been a go hard? I'd be like, pretty much all ever since I can remember, I've actually calmed down, you know, like you gotta, you gotta own what makes you you. And that's what makes like life like fun. And that's what gives you like power. Like you gotta own your, your shit basically. So I don't know. Yeah. I am the tough guy. I'm the most hyper masculine person on a hockey team, but I'm also the most vulnerable. And that's, I think that gives me a lot of strength when I go do all these things and stuff. And I'm trying to change that narrative. When I was a kid, I was like, don't cry. And, you know, I bottled up all my emotions when my, my dad took his life and I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to, and I had to have a couple drinks and I'm 15 to let it all come flowing out. You know, like it's, we need to change that narrative to guys that it's girls. Want, first of all, if you are a dude, straight dude listening, girls want vulnerable guys. So cut the, you know, for, if you're going to think like, you're going to get a girl because your nails and stuff. Like, I don't know how that's not how it works. You know, my girlfriend has, I cannot believe what I do on the ice. She's like, you are like, what? She still just doesn't get it. Like she's never like seen me fight live or anything. She's like, I just don't even think that's you. I'm like, cause it's really not. I mean, it's, it's a game I get to play. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is weird for people, but I think even though it's nowhere close and I always say this in my own way, in my own life, like being accepted for what I do is kind of like, I kind of relate that to people just want to be accepted for who they are. I'm always going to be my best self and best hockey player, and best person when I feel included on that team. Like I'm a player that fights, not a fighter that plays, you know, that's, that's just a small example of like, I'm always going to be my best self when, and I'm feel appreciated and feel included. So I can't imagine like, timesing that by a million to people who are judged by the sexuality, by who they want to love, by who they're, you know, who they're attracted to and what color their skin is. So that's just like my own little empathetic version of that, I guess. I want to be, everybody wants to be accepted. We're human beings, we're social beings. Yeah. But like going on with like the evolution of, you know, mental health talks, how do you see the role of an enforcer evolving as we continue to make all these strides in mental health and, you know, kind of having these conversations against, you know, the toxicity of, toughness culture and the all the problems that come with toxic masculinity so what do you what do you mean like what's the what do you what's like the how do you like do you think there's going to be a place for that role in, oh yeah oh absolutely like because you know like hockey's the only sport where it's acceptable to fight someone yeah it's not changing any it's not boxing. it's not changing anytime soon that's what makes our game freaking awesome and um yeah, there's, I think there's a, to, there's a, of course there's a place for it. It's like, I would go to, I'd have to go to schools when I played No One Sound and some of the teachers would sit back there with their eyes looking at me, like knowing what I did on the ice. And I'd be like, okay, like ladies, my mom's a teacher. You don't think I can handle this? And I'm talking at the front of the class or whatever. And I'm like, okay, kids. Yeah. So oh, oh, kid puts it question time. Are you a fighter, right? How many fights have you been in? Well, I might have a black eye at the time. And I'm like, okay. Does anybody know what a firefighter does? Yes, they go into burning buildings. Okay, so do you go? Do you guys go into burning buildings? No. Do your dad? Does your dad go? Is he trained to be a firefighter? Does he go in burning buildings? No. Okay. Well, people get paid to do jobs, and it's called they sign up for it, and they willingly accept the risk. A firefighter knows that he might die saving your family in a fire. Okay, I am willingly accepting the results that I'm going to get punched in the head. Um, I get I get more. I've had more problems with my head getting hit in hockey than fighting all day um so that's not like fighting's not the issue with hockey it's the scared just the dangerous hits but i'm trained to do this i choose to do this i'm a grown man i can do this i've never been in a fight off the ice my mom was a teacher i had to do my homework i didn't get to go to hockey practice like you can be you can they're not mutually exclusive like you can do two different things just because i'm a crazy guy on the ice and i'm not a crazy guy off the ice so there definitely is a place for it i don't think you know 
you're going to look at the guys who, you know, committed suicide or, or died of drug overdoses that were my role. I just think that was just a bad timing coincidence. And there's everybody goes through mental health, regardless of your job. There's top goal scorers in the NHL probably right now that have depression that we don't know about. And everybody is going to go through stuff. So what's going to change is us just handling things better and ending, you know, mental health stigma that you are strong. If you reach out for help, you are not weak because it's, it's a, it's a sickness. My dad was sick when he killed himself. He was not weak, you know, and I grew up thinking he didn't want to be in my life and I internalized that and I hated it. But then I realized I'm like, Oh my God, you just, he couldn't handle it. He, he and then I found out later he asked to go to, he, he talked to my family doctor said I need to talk to a psychologist and she booked him an appointment the next week and he couldn't make it till then. So maybe if mental illness stigma was less, he would have been like, I got to reach out to my best friend and maybe, you know, he won't think I'm weak and he'll help me. Maybe that he'd still be around. So that's, what's going to change. And that's, I think that the link between the two is just non-existent and you have to be able to play now. You have to, you know, you have to play 10 minutes, eight minutes a night. You're not playing two minutes and fighting four times a game. Like it's, it's totally different now. I think there's always going to be a place for it. Yeah. Well, that's good because I, I don't watch a lot of hockey. I don't know a lot about a hockey. My, my sport is soccer, but the part I do like about hockey is the fights. That's my very favorite thing. And that's the only thing that I'll really watch. And then I turn it off after the fights. So you also like yeah. uh, coming into the apartment, finding me on the floor, basically ripping my hair out from a damn hockey game. That's good. We did used to live together. That's yeah. how we, <laughs> we lived together yeah. for a summer. The amount of time she came in, because that was that one summer where like the playoffs was just crazy. Like 2019, where like everything that you didn't think was going to happen happened. Like the Bolts getting swept in the first round. <laughs> yeah, that was just a crazy playoffs. And this poor girl came into the apartment almost every single day. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it as a soccer fan, like, I completely yeah. understand your dedication to your craft, but I just didn't get the hockey aspects, and she'd be naming all these teams, and I was like, okay, the who's and the what's, and the, <laughs> it was yeah. definitely an experience, but uh, I do like watching hockey, so maybe I'll have to, I'll have to start. Maybe more than just the fights. Maybe yeah. more than just the fights. It's just, it's just like soccer, like, I, I, played a little bit of soccer but i probably don't understand as much of like the little nuances but i still find it very interesting like i understand sports but when you find out the little intricacies of hockey that some of the normal fans just have no idea what's going on like my mom used to just watch a game and be like oh that's great they score score was four to two and whatever but now she's like oh like she, we would i wish i could i know the best thing is watching a hockey game at, at home with my mom i just love it it's the best and covid kind of screwed that up last summer but Man, um, she just there's so many little things going on and games within the game that find that make hockey so interesting. So yeah, just it takes a little time to get used to it and learn it. But yeah, it's just like anything. Soccer has all those little things too. Oh, totally. No, I mean I'll watch soccer games with my friends and I'm like, oh, that like outside of the foot shot, like that's crazy. Like to get power with that. And, you know, I'm sure it's the same with like different parts of your stick. I just I need to get there, but I will. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. making a commitment to watching hockey. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna hold you to that too. Well, we're we're trying we're we're trying to grow the game, right? Like I'm trying to be like branding myself, you know, like and then people come at me like, oh, you're doing the this activism because you're growing. It's like, guys, there's nothing wrong with being a good person and being a social media person. Like I can, it's I can do both, and it's it's not a problem. It's a good thing. I'm anyway, but I'm trying to grow like my like brand because I want players to do that more. I want like all the soccer players are so branded because they're they're global superstars, right? Like you, I know everything about I know tons about Cristiano Ronaldo's life, and I don't even watch soccer. Like he's branded himself, so it's like cool. And and Austin Matthews is doing a bit. He's like the high end guy, but I'm like the relatable guy that's just like tall and like fought my way here. So I'm trying to like brand myself. To 
to that, right? And, and show people my personality, but that's what's going to get fans like you, you know, you're hearing my story. So you're like, oh, I want to watch hockey more, right? Or you're interested in me, right? So that's what makes, we got to get fans knowing the little things about guys and, and stuff. Like today, my freaking dentist has seen all the potato stuff I post and he, he's, a Jap- he's, he's a Japanese dentist and he brought me a purple potato and a Japanese potato. And then told me that I should put an ice cube in the microwave to make them more moist when I microwave. And I'm like, dude, this is this is hilarious. Like, I never met you and you just plop a potato in my lap. Like, that's the power of, like, social media and, like, growing the game. It's really cool. That is super Another cool. time I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to introduce this episode as sponsored by the letter P for potato power. Um, but that's hilarious. You just drunk some potato. I'm going to have to try that, though, with the microwave. Thing. I know. I, I can't wait to try it. I can't wait. I can't wait to try it. You know what question I have for you, Curtis, is I know we just talked about, you know, growing the men's game. What about growing the women's game? Is there a team in the women's league that you can convince me to support? Go. Right now, I guess it's the Toronto Six because that's a sweet name, you know. They did the whole play on Drake's kind of thing. So I'm still learning it too. Like I think I saw a post the other day. They're doing a great job. They had a post that compared women's players and their attributes to men's players. Like it was that really caught, accurate too. That caught real. Oh, so see, you know, I don't know. So that caught my attention. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then they showed like the leading scorers in the league. Jillian Dempsey, I think, is the most like Boston she's the Pride. least. Right. And Boston Pride's won like so many championships. Won three. Yeah. And their records, they're, domi- they're dominating. Since 2015 or so. Yeah they're, yeah. they're dominating. So right now, I guess I don't know enough about it besides Toronto Six. But um, I think when it comes down to it, there's that difference in the game where they're so much, it can be so much more technical with women's hockey, I think, uh, without the super like physicality aspect, which they're still bumping and hitting each other. Um, but I, I don't know enough about it right now, I'll be honest, but uh, I want my girlfriend played uh, high level hockey. And um, so she talks about it a lot and, and it bothers her a couple of the issues in the game. And she makes sure not to sexualize, you know, sports and stuff. She's always very adamant about that. Um, but yeah, I, I still got to learn more about that. I'm in my own little bubble over here. Uh, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I need to start catching up on uh, the women's game. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you brought up an interesting point about uh, sexualizing the players. And that's something that I find myself doing a little bit too often with the men's game. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was wondering what Rachel was thinking about that as well, because I'm a big Chelsea fan. They're right in central London, which is actually where I'm moving in September. Oh, so wow. We'll about that. Um, but yeah, so I wow, definitely. <laughs> what? Your pot. Did we find this out in the middle of the podcast? <laughs> I'm sorry, did I not? Okay, did I got you not tell me that. I'm sorry. This, I, this is my fault. Um, yeah, I got into a grad program for sports marketing. Congratulations. Nice. Um, but yeah, I definitely am attracted to a good chunk of those players. Um, when I eventually marry them, we're going to have to take this down. And, um, I think, I don't know if it's just like the power dynamic, but it definitely feels more okay for me as a woman to be sexualizing male players. And I'm wondering what everyone else's take is on that. No, that's a very fair point. I think you're very like there's these things exist. I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's not surprising, but yeah, it's like the other way is like so bad because of the climate of the world now and sexualizing the women's players. Like, you know, it's, I don't know. I just think it's going to happen. Like we're, we're, we're human beings. We have, you know, like sex is a big part of our lives. Like, I don't know, like, I don't think it's so bad, but it just goes back to like, you got to have a line for it. You know, like just like the guys hitting on my girlfriend at the mall, like there needs to be a line where like, stop after a certain point where don't become it obsessive i don't know it's like 
everybody's going to sexualize people to some point, but you got to have respect for others. That's just the big, it's hard to like, I don't know what do you guys think. Like that's, that's hard for me to like speak on it, but just respect people. I don't know. I think that there's definitely a line between acknowledging someone's physical attraction and still respecting their specific skills or their, right. like, uh, where they excel. Like, I personally think Amanda Kessel is one of the most gorgeous people on the planet. But also at the same time, she is an incredibly skilled hockey player. Like she is so good. I love watching her play. She's great. She's awesome. But it's like you there is that line to be drawn. Like you can acknowledge that someone's physically attractive while still keeping their, you know, um, oh my god, words. Oh my god, accomplishments at like the same high level that you would you know, like, um, like you, you wouldn't say like, oh yeah, the Boston Pride's only good because you know, there, there's not that many teams in the league. Like, it's like you wouldn't say that about like the CHL or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something you would say about a men's league. So it's important to like keep that in mind while mm-hmm. still like, you know, kind of because it's again, like you said, it is human nature. Like, it's not something that you're entirely cognizant about. But yeah, there's definitely that line to be acknowledged and drawn at the same mm. time. Yeah. I mean, just don't be an idiot, I guess. Because like, obviously, like, Ronaldo has more followers than Messi. I wonder why. Like, Messi's arguably slightly better player, but there's more people going to objectify Cristiano Ronaldo. But it's just kind of like, okay, it's understandable. Like, but just don't make it into like a, you know, there's always people that are going to take things to extremes, though. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like some, what I always say, like, you know, like, there's always that thing where like especially when I like first started getting into professional hockey like a lot of it was like oh you just think the players are hot it's like well you can find the players attractive while still actually liking the sport for the sport Mm -hmm. and again as I always say men don't watch the Victoria's Secret fashion show to buy bras they watch it because they think the women are hot Mm -hmm. like you know what's funny is I actually think this is a really good segue into what Rachel and I were talking about right before this with Barstool and talking about the objectification of women. And I personally have not worked with them, but I know that at least Rachel has. I'm not sure about you, Curtis. And so I was curious about what your takes are with Barstool because I have a very strong opinion, um, which is that I have seen the Barstool smoke shows page and it makes me very upset. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just overall, I mean, I, I was asked to go on Spitting Chicklets and I, I talked to Paul and I just, I can't go on if uh, I'm not going to be able to speak about what I want to speak about. Um, you know, a lot of people would get mad at me for even going on there, but I think you have to have conversations. Like the only way to have the uncomfortable conversation, like you can say, oh, you just don't even talk to them. They're so bad. Don't even talk to them. It's like, guys, no, that's silly. Like, so, um, you know, and they just said, we'll put that on ice, obviously. And then I, I pitched that I wanted to, you know, me and Brock to have a sit down with like Portnoy and Nardini. I think that'd be a really cool thing, whether private or public, whatever they wanted, but these conversations need to happen. But yeah, they, they're, they're not good. They're not good. Uh, it's, it's a bunch of white dudes making all the oppressive sexist, and all white straight dudes making all the oppressive sexist homophobic jokes. It's just like, do you not know what history is? It's all the white dudes doing those things. The straight white dudes. It's also like dudes. the same thing over and over again on every single post. There's no variation. It's at just, all. but because it's they're catering to like the certain crowd that's three, extreme, extremely aggressive and extremely entitled and classist. And um, I just don't know why they can't just hire all the black people to make black jokes. Then it would be great. I'll hire the gay people to make gay jokes. Hire a bunch of women to make the objectifying women jokes. Like 
that's that's you know like that's what I don't see why that would be such a hard problem, but because it is because they have all these because underlying issues. Yeah. Oh, it's just <laughs> like yeah, it's 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 if you if you just are like people who just overlook that just because they like it, that's just a straight example of not getting uncomfortable and not waking up. You just want the easy route in life. You just want it easy. Yeah. Also, a good segue with that is before you came on when we were emailing and scheduling, I mentioned that there was that whole controversy with the NWHL speaking with Barstool to get that partnership. And it's like, you want them to get those eyes because obviously the only way that their game can grow is if people are paying attention to them and they have this platform. But at the same time, there's all these negative connotations with Barstool. And it Mm kind of seems like it stands for everything that the NWHL stands against. Mm -hmm. And it's like this really complex situation, but I was interested to see what your thoughts on it were. I don't know. It just, it seems to be like most people in the world, hopefully, hopefully not most. I'd like to think most of us are all good people, but people always are going to brush aside the benefit of others for the benefit of themselves. Basically, that's just what it is. Oh, okay. So should we weigh the bell? Like they're probably sexist. They're probably not the best place, you know, and we're a group of women that are a lot of us in the LGBT community. Let's partner with them to grow our game. Is that really what you want to grow? You want to grow it with all the people that are causing those issues. It doesn't really make sense to me. So, I mean, you just, I guess that I've had a conversation with the one hockey buddy who is always just like, yeah, Gabe, I'm, I'm always going to vote for myself and my family over the group. And I said, he said, you're always going to vote for the group, probably over your family. But I said, that's what's better for my family is to vote for the group and to have a better society and all this stuff. Right. But they're always, he's, you know, his, his family and they have a, you know, a wealthy family and they're in a state that's going to get taxed a lot if Biden has it his way. And they're always going to vote against just, even though Trump's an idiot and all these, you know, it's so homophobic and all these things, they're still going to vote for him just because it benefits them. That's, that's just what it comes down to. You just got to pick and choose which kind of person you are and how you want to live your life. And I would never live my life that way. I just, I know that love is the answer. I know that uh, equality is the answer. I would never, I would never do that. So it just blows my mind that people, you know, would, would sell themselves short for, for short term gain. Right. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I just want to give you a hug. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Virtual hug. <laughs> it just like, oh, yeah. it just boggles my mind. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, uh, because I grew up in Washington, D.C., I didn't know that Republicans existed for a really long time. <laughs> I didn't know that they were real. I thought that they were just kind of like a joke that like didn't actually exist. Mm. Um, and then I moved to Wisconsin for college and I met a lot of people. Uh, this was my freshman year was, uh, the first, um, Trump, uh, when Trump got elected. Yeah. My roommate cried. My roommate cried for 12 hours when he got elected. Right. Right. And I had just like genuinely never met a Trump supporter before. I, I didn't think that they were real people. Mm. And I realized that these people, grew up learning things that were so different than what I was taught. And I remembered having sex ed in high school and my gay health teacher teaching us the different places that a woman could have an orgasm. <laughs> and I was like, this is a great That's health better sex education than most people get. Oh, like, absolutely. Most of them, they're like, um, what? People can have orgasms? That sounds right. fake. That sounds like right. something they fake. <laughs> Taurus, yeah. Um, no, so I just remember thinking that this was crazy, that these people grew up and maybe they didn't even have like a sex ed class because, you know, you're just supposed to wait until marriage and all this stuff. And, and it's crazy because <laughs> once you start to have conversations, <laughs> once you start to have these conversations with people 
they, they find flaws in their own logic. And a lot of times, you know, like what you were saying about, you know, just going on that podcast, even though you just opening that aisle to have that open communication and be like, this is how I think, this is why I think that way. And maybe what you're thinking is because you learned this, but I learned this and let's together find the truth and figure it out. I think that's the only way to make sustainable change. It's, and yeah, well, you nailed it. It's just straight logic. Like, unfortunately, people who are on that side of it, just, they just, their logic is just off. And I, and I try to, I'm always working at trying to tell them it in the nicest way possible, but it's just absolutely. like, there's yeah. only, there's only one conclusion if we talk and they think that's, that's, you can't go into an argument thinking that you're always going to win because that's not a right. real argument. Right. But when you're talking about truth, there is only one answer. So it's right. like, it's so, it's so frustrating. Um, yeah. That's something I'm still working on how to, you know, verbalize that to someone, but we have an example. Um, so this guy that I know, and he was raised by a extremely military family, Boston area, like all the way through Republican, Republican, Republican. And I remember having these conversations with him and he has a gay brother oh, and he's, and he still supported, they still, the family was all behind Trump, no matter what, no matter what. And um, I remember talking to him and, and just having these conversations and he was so Everything I said that was truth, he came back with conjecture every time. Things that were just, I was like, that's just not a fact. Like, it's just not, I don't know what to tell you. It's not facts. And we get in these arguments. I'm like, dude, you're talking about lies. I'm talking about facts. We're never going to come to the same conclusion. Like, we're never going to get anywhere if you, if you don't get off that. And um, he had a conversation with uh, Brock McGillis for like an hour. And uh, Brock's very educated, went to Cornell, learned all this stuff. And he took it to him pretty good. And it got to the point where this guy was basically like, okay shit like you're right trump trump is an absolute wingnut and because wow. even even when i was talking to him about it, he'd say i know he's an idiot i know he's an idiot but i can't get over his foreign policy i can't get over his all this the, all these things right and i'm like but there is no country inequality and to have foreign policy if we don't fix like the problems here man like yeah, basically like, and, and, work at home yeah right, <laughs> right and i get i get it have the military that's great but like you can't condone a man that says he likes gay people, but then his administration just tears down your brother's rights, your gay brother's rights. It just, he just shreds them. He doesn't acknowledge him as a human being. And he says he does it. Words and actions are different things. And we finally got to the point where it's like, okay, I denounced Trump. I'm going to be Republican to the day I die, but we are losing because we're not even in this fight. If, if it comes to human rights, which it is right now, you're not even in the conversation. We're never going to win. I'm like, thank you. So get yourself on the same plane with human rights and then have your politics after that. Then you can be Republican all day. I don't care if you're Republican. Just be on the right side of human rights of it, and I'm, I'll leave the conversation. I don't care anymore. I'm thoroughly impressed with Brock, though. That's that's a feat. That is a Brock. feat to change the Trump supporters' view. That is mind blowing. He's in, he's in, Brock is incredible. He's honestly incredible. Like I'm so happy he came into my life. I love that guy. He's like a brother now, and he. He does this stuff on the daily. I, I, he probably works himself too hard, but he he's he's changing people's minds all the time. He's a shift maker. That same guy is now call, having conversations with him, and on his team, their one their one liberal on the team is a goalie, a Democrat, and then they have the horse of the team is like him and Republican, and they have these conversations, and the goalie's just spitting facts at them all day, and they're like sitting there, and the whole team's like, nah, nah, this is stupid, and you know we we had a conversation because trans is a huge uh, issue right now, and so Arkansas did the other day is ridiculous. You know, banning, they want to ban, you know, trans treatments and hormonal therapies to youth and stuff. It's mental. It won't, it won't happen. They'll fight it and fix it. But, you know, they're, they're having conversations like, oh, isn't that, uh, what's her name? Uh, always miss her name. Uh, the, the runner from South Africa. 
I have vision. Oh, message. I know who you're talking about. Oh my god. Oh my god. This Cast, is Caster Semenya. Caster Semenya, right? Isn't that her name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So she is a legit woman. She just is has a lot of testosterone. She's a freak. It's like LeBron James being a freak. This is this is the this is Caster Semenya's the female running LeBron James. And these guys in his room were just straight up telling the, the guy that she's a trans, she's a trans woman. And and the guy goalie's like, no. And he calls Brock and he's like, he's Brock like, well, isn't she a trans woman? Like, how can she compete? And Brock's like, oh my God, guys, it's just Google. Use Google. Like, she's a woman. She's always it's been a, a woman. Service. It's, 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 it's like, she's a woman. You can't even, she's not even in the trans discussion. That's a totally different issue. And they're like, oh my God, really? And it's like, it just is shocking to see how much lies spread faster than truth. And that Sasha Baron Cohen, I didn't know he was a public speaker and not just Borat. Like I saw his speech, I, his speech, his speech was, is, I watched it all the time. It's incredible. He's just, we, our society, we want to look for lies and they spread faster. Nobody wants to seek the truth anymore and nothing will change until we all decide to seek truth. It always comes back to the truth. And the truth is love is the answer. It's always the same answer. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And, you know, what's interesting is I was having that debate the other day with some of my friends about whether or not, um, like, trans people in sports, like, whether that was okay. And my thoughts were, like, we don't divide people based off of, like, in running, for example, based off of their weight or based off of their height or based off of their BMI. So why would it make sense to exclude people based off of those things when we already have an unequal playing field? Like, someone who is six feet tall will be a better basketball player than Rachel. That is not anything except for genetics. And like that at hey, the end of the day. You're forgetting I was a high school baller. <laughs> right, right. So I'm just saying we already have all of these natural inequalities. And so why would it make sense? It's just transphobic at this point. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to have. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm upset. So. Yes. Curtis, are you at all familiar with Harrison Brown? Oh yeah, I had a great conversation with Harrison. Uh, I called uh, him and Jessica Platt, who are trans athletes, obviously, and, and learned a lot from them, and, and took a lot away from that that I use in a lot of conversations. Yeah. So Naomi Harrison, um, before he fully transitioned, was in the NWHL, um, and that I've actually been following his journey ever since the start of the NWHL, and he's just—it's incredible to watch him, like <laughs> watch him and do his thing. He's incredible. He's doing awesome. But it's also like, you know, there are some like people in the locker room who definitely could have made him uncomfortable. And like, it's like not even just restricted to, you know, boys hockey. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. women are guilty of the same thing at the same time. But a lot of times it's just kind of, you know, like you focus more on the men just because it seems more blatant with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Even though the women's game is like light years above the men's game as far as LGBTQ acceptance, there's always going to be a couple women in there that if he played with them on a team, be like, "Why am I playing with a man? You identify as a man. Why?" It's like, can you just learn something? Like, read a book. I, and I'm being rude again. Just open it's your heart to love. Rude. Open your heart to love, please. Don't be rude. Open your heart to love. Learn these issues. Okay, there's a reason. But there's always going to be those people. There's always going to be hate in the world, whether it's naive hate or true hate, just we're trying to move the needle towards the love symbol. We're just trying to move it closer so that less people are affected by it. I don't think it's ever going to be gone. It's like yin and yang. It's just kind of going to accept it. Yeah, that's something that I've also like had some pretty good conversations with my dad about. Like we just like, you know, just one day we were just watching hockey and he was like, 
you know, why do you think in women's sports, like more athletes are open about their sexuality? I was like, well, it's definitely the environment that they're in. But at the same time, it's not even just solely men's sports that are more, you know, like hostile against it. Like there are those people in women's sports at the same time, as you keep saying, like they are miles ahead of the men's game. Like they're very open to having these discussions, but there are going to be those outliers for sure. But it just forms this environment that is so critical to the development as people as individuals and teams as a whole, like their, you know, responsibilities to support each other at the same mm -hmm. time, while also doing what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, it, unfortunately what it comes down to, and, and, you know, my girlfriend, we talk about this all the time, she's raised Catholic. It's like, what's well, really just comes down to re religion most of the time and um, your interpretation of your religion and your faith. And, I could name off many people that I know in my life that are just the most devout Christians, Catholics that just interpret it with love instead of with hate. It's, it's like not that hard. It seems like, and um, you're, they're taught to love everyone. And I don't know. It's uh, it's just, it's just a matter of what, how serious and hardcore your parents were is what you get indoctrinated with. And it's up to you to figure out the truth and seek it against your parents' wishes at later in life. That's the only way that's really what stems from all these homophobic issues. I mean, if you're not a religious person and you're a spiritual person, you you're pretty quick to be like, Oh yeah, I love everybody. Like, you know, like, yeah. so it's, I don't know what to tell people, but I, I, I don't have, that I, I obviously have my opinions, but if you are a you believer and you're whatever and you are devout to that, but you you just cannot you cannot accept modern day science when you get an infection to go get some antibiotics and not accept the studies that these scientists are doing on gender, on sexuality, on all these things. You just can't. That I, I've said that to multiple people in my DMs. This guy's coming at me, coming at me. You can't tell me a woman's supposed to marry a woman. It says in the Bible. I'm like, then stop letting your grandpa get cancer treatment. Just if you don't, if you don't believe it, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, it's like, how can you pick and choose? Modern cancer treatment is giving your grandpa more days on this earth to be with him. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll put him in remission. How can you accept that and not accept another scientist in another field doing the facts of what life is and how homosexuality is natural in this world? It, it's just like, come on. You, it, there's, well, it's, that's yeah. a lot. That's logic. It's just yeah. logic. And you know, what's so crazy with that is that I know guys who are like, you know, I would just, I have gay friends or whatever, but it's just like, I don't think, you know, because in the Bible it says they shouldn't get married. And I'm like, but you've had premarital sex. Or you wear mixed fibers <laughs> in your clothing. That's a sin. Oh my God. It's yeah, like, it's like, it's very confusing to me how you can pick it out and be like, okay, like, but sometimes I sin, like, I'm not perfect. I've had premarital sex and like, I feel bad about it. Like, I don't like love that I did this, but like, you know, I just don't think that gay men should get in it. In, you just, you have to wonder you how they can choose, choose the lessons there. The, the convenience aspect where they're just like, no, it's like nice for me to stick my dick in things and like not make a commitment. But like gay men shouldn't be able to do that. Yep. It's, yeah. it's, it's unconscionable to me. I had a, a hockey person in the business just straight up had a conversation with them and they're just like, what it comes down to, it sounds like their name you genuinely feel like you can tell how other people to live their life because of a book written however long ago. And he goes, yes. And I said, but you accept all the modern day advances in this world and you don't live in a hut in like Israel. Yes. Mixed meat and dairy. Right. Like, right. So I'm like, 
so you feel that way? He goes, absolutely. I feel like that gives me the right to judge others. And it's a mental illness to be homosexual. It is, you know, all the, and I'm just like, wow. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, I guess. And he goes, hey, this is what he said after he goes, and you're not going to change my mind. I am decided minded. Nothing will change my mind and my belief. And I'm like, if anybody's going to hell, I'm sorry. If anybody's going to hell, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's, you, uh, fight, you fight people on the ring and like, you know, you fight people on the ice rink, rink. That's the word. Yes. Um, <laughs> you ever get to, do you ever get to see him? Can you knock some sense? <laughs> no. Oh no, we can't do that. Cause then we're just as bad as them. We're doing things that aren't, you know, civilized and stuff. So it's a nice idea, but yeah, no, we have to, we <laughs> have nice to, <laughs> we have to, we have to call them in, right? We have to call them in, we call them out and then call them in, you know, you have to get their attention and then say, we're inviting you to a conversation to talk about this more, but that kind of person, you know, and he, he likes to say after he's like, Oh, but we still love everyone, Curtis. Like, I'm like, but do you? but he but he'll torture someone with conversion therapy. Doesn't I sound mean, like you love everyone then. No, it's like God. You just it's just crazy what human beings are capable of, and I guess those are the people that are never going to change. So there's there's always going to be those people. They should just go get their own island and just do their own thing over there. Like I don't know what else to tell them. Like just this just go away. Yeah, if only like Texas would secede, and then everyone who had those beliefs would go on to Texas and just live their little their little sad lives in Texas, and mm -hmm. the rest of us could go on, get along with our lives, and uh, be kind to each other. And my brother is extremely educated on these things, and he knows every issue inside and out. Which you know sometimes bothers me that he doesn't take as much of a hard stand on the side of the truth and stuff. But he he's very good at being devil's advocate for all this stuff. So him you know hearing me talk about stuff sometimes, he's like, Curtis, are you really bringing people in the conversation by being so demeaning and stuff? And it's like, it's Ian, it's so hard to be to not be when it, this isn't just this isn't an opinion. Like human rights is not an opinion. It's a fact. That's what's so hard about this whole thing. So he's saying you can't, you got to value other people's opinion. I was like, Ian, how do I value someone who believes an old book, who's going to torture someone for, you know, loving a man or whatever? Like, how can I, how can I, that's just, that's not, an opinion is red is a great color and blue is a great color. Well, I disagree, but you like blue. I like red better. Oh, that's an opinion. I can, like, I respect you. I respect your opinion. But like, when it comes to that, I, it's just, how do you, how do you get there? How do you get there? Yeah, like how do you treat someone with value that doesn't treat everyone else with value? Oh, man. And, you know, I, I majored in journalism in college, and something that I had a lot of trouble with was, as a journalist, you have a responsibility to report the truth. Mm. The truth, recently, has been incredibly one-sided. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, the media is liberal, the media is this, and it's like, no. The media is speaking the truth, and you just happen to disagree with it, and now you're saying that everyone who's a journalist is a liar. And it's mm -hmm. like it's very hard to walk that line for sure, and be able to, you know, you're not you're not taking a stance. You're just reporting the truth. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like, I feel like that's what you were saying in terms. Yeah. of it feels like now it's gone from less like on topic and like subjective to more like personal opinions interfering. Like you watch like the difference between like it's in, like they'll be reporting on the exact same thing, but the way that they report on it is fundamentally different. The language they use is so different mm -hmm. and it causes a lot of issues. Like yeah, yeah that's what's just so important. Yeah, like the media, that's what like some of these conversations I have with people. It's like, oh, the media, we always just agree that the media is a joke. It's like, well, 
if if our quote unquote side of truth and love is so solid, why can't we just report it like it is? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't even like CNN because it's so incredibly like one-sided, like everything, the media is twisted in both its ways. Obviously one's better than the other, but we need, <laughs> we need like just truth. That's all that should be reported on. Don't pick and choose small things to fit a narrative, even on our side. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do things to fit our narrative. They can do that. They can seem stupid by doing that. And we can just be solid over here and just say like, nope, that's not true. Uh, nope, that's not true. Nope, that's not true. Here's the truth. Here's the facts. It's not a, it's not a, a study done by people that are, you know, super extremist leftists that are going to be, you know, changing things to make it look worse than it is. We just need good, honest people to just report on these things. That's, it's all it should take. Ah, oh, it's like, yeah. it dilutes our message. It dilutes the message of truth yeah. and love. Yeah. But I, I think what's tough with that is then you get people on the other side and they're already believing these crazy things. And then they come and they think that it's still biased. And as truthful as it can be, it's still difficult to prove that you're being truthful and ethical the whole way through, like with a study or whatever. And I think mm -hmm. that that is what makes it so complicated because you feel like there's almost this battle between, you know, it's, it's like kind of like a tug of war and there's like this middle and, and there's no, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but. No, you're but right, I, you're right. No, yeah, it's. <laughs> You're right, and it, but what I draw inspiration from, and what I continue to, you know, I'm not good at it yet, I guess. But this guy's name's Daryl Davis. He's a black man, and he went on Joe Rogan, and and once I heard him on there, it's like mind blown. So this guy was literally a musician. Um, he was at a, a a bar playing piano with his band in some really, you know, southern state, and he's just jamming away on the piano, just killing it. And this white guy comes up to him after the performance and he's like, man, you play like Jerry Lee Lewis or something like that. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, I can't remember the famous piano's name. I think that was his name. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, actually, is that his name? I did it right, right? It's like a piano, like famous piano player. No, he said, he said, he said it's a famous name. Anyway, that's taking away from the point. I should have just said, I should have just said a famous pianist. And he goes, well, actually, that guy was, uh, you know, all this stuff and, and informed him about some like historical thing. And he's like, okay, come have a, have, have a beer with me. And he sat down with them and um, they started talking to him. So it's a black man pianist talking with the two white men. And then finally the one of the white guys nudges him after having a drink and he goes, you're going to tell him already. And he's like, what? And Daryl's like, tell me what and he's like, Oh, I'm a member of the KKK. So the, the guy's just like, well, you see all of a sudden he's like, Oh my gosh, like this is kind of crazy. But Daryl Davis is the boss. He's the man. So he's sitting there and he's just straight up start talking to him. He's just like, Oh, like, why do you feel that way? And they have this conversation and uh, he basically befriends this man and this man, you know, makes all these accusations with him and stuff. And, and he kind of sits there and takes it in and he kind of has this epiphany, like with, he's always dealt with racism, but um, he just, even from a young age, he's like his parents, he, he got hit with a, a, a soda can in a, in a parade one time and was bleeding and, and the people with the scout group and the parents were like, Oh, just hush hush about it. And he asked, why did they do that? And they wouldn't tell him the white people wouldn't tell this little black kid. He went home and his parents had to give him, sit him down, have the racism talk. And since then he's just been like, but they don't even know me. How can they hate me? doesn't make any sense. You know, like what's, that doesn't make any sense. So fast forward back, he starts to just make it his mission to start befriending KKK members. And what a he, legit, he, 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 he influenced indirectly or directly over 200 KKK members to give in their robes. Um, wow. just, just, just by befriending him, you guys got to look, girls got to look him up. It's incredible. He, he, he met this, um, 
he 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 finagled his way into meeting a grand dragon. They have all their That's weird, a good you know, Yiddish word there. Yeah, you know, all their other all their weird names, right? Yeah, to the like, like grand wizard, or wizard whatever. and stuff. Yeah, so he meets meets like this grand dragon who has his grand nighthawk, who's like a military fatigue guy with KKK and Sydney on it with a gun. It so he like Magnum PI. It's so stupid. So <laughs> he. Dragons? Yeah, they yeah, just like it's like, it's, like grand it's, 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 it's like literally like dungeons and the KKK guys are like dungeon and dragons guys. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Lamer. Yes. So he he finds a way to get this guy's contact information, and he gets his sec. He gets this late a white woman. I think it was this uh, person who helped him book musician gigs, um, and she got him because if he, he if a black guy called, it would never work. So he gets right. his white friend to call and sets up. Oh, we have a this guy named uh, so and so. He wants to you know interview you for he's writing a book on the Klan which Daryl Davis ended up actually doing. So they set it up at a motel. They put, they have the door open. Daryl's sitting around the corner. So they can't, the, man, the grand dragon won't be able to see him until he gets in the room. Cause they don't want him to see and run away. Right. The guy, the guy comes in and sits down and he's sh- He like jumps back that there's a black man sitting like there. He saw a ghost. Yes. And Daryl's like, come sit down. And the, the night Hawk guy's there with this big gun on his waist. And the guy sits down in front of him and they just start, having a discussion and Daryl's just starts asking him questions like, you know, and, and the guy's like, yeah, well, all of you people commit drive-by shootings. You're all criminals. Like you're all savages. You're inferior to white people. KKK right. And, and, That's crazy. and obviously the tension's very high, but Daryl's keeping calm and he's just like, sir, but you don't know me. Like I'm college educated. I've never been in a gang. I've never committed a drive-by shooting. And the guy's like, oh, well, you're just not one of them, I guess. There's all the other ones. And he, he just calmly, calmly didn't get mad. He, instead, he decided to say that you don't logic. It doesn't make logical sense for you to hate this person sitting across from you. And he just. he superpower there. <laughs> it's literally, a, it's crazy to me. And so basically, they're sitting there and he, he got his secretary to get a bucket of ice with a bunch of sodas in it. He wanted to offer the man a soda. It'd be cordial. So he offers him a soda, he doesn't need it. So they put the, the ice, the soda back in the ice and they're sitting there and they're having this intense conversation, obviously. And then all of a sudden he hears a and they're like instantly. So he said so much happened. The Grand Nighthawk put his hand on his gun. Daryl jumped up on the table and said like he thought a gun was cocked. And and the the, the KKK guys thought that he cocked it under the table and Daryl thought they cocked it because they didn't oh cock God, a gun. And it's like, and he's staring at him and he's looking at, he's looking at him and then it does it again. And it's the ice bucket, the ice melting. That's and, insane. And he said it was this incredible moment of like, that's how much tension is built up between us that is so ridiculous that that sound made us almost kill each other. Like it's just spaghetti it, Western. It's just like ignorance. It's ignorance. So from that day forward, he just continued to do this. And that man ended up being like at his wedding. Wow. Like, oh he like, and then another guy who was at the, uh, he, he shot at a group of, uh, you know, Democratic protesters or anti-KKK people. He shot at someone, got put in jail. Daryl went and helped him get out of jail and befriended that guy too. And he became the best man at this guy's wedding after he gave in his KKK robe. So like, if that's possible, people who like that guy who said, I'm decided minded and I won't change, there's gotta be a way, right? You gotta challenge their logic, right? It just like, there's gotta be a way to break down these things. So like, maybe it's for that guy who thinks, People who are LGBT or home or mental ill. Well, how about you go talk to the doctors that do these studies and pr- let them show that an LGBT person is living quite happily, not depressed and super happy because they've removed it from the from the journals about uh, di- diagnosing mental disorders. Like being gay was taken out in 1970. You know, in t- in 2013 or something, um, gender just dis- uh, gender 
transgender was gone from mental illness to now it's gender dysphoria. It's like, it's like something that people experience, not something that is like plaguing them. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even until like 2015 that they legalized gay marriage. Exactly. So it's like all this stuff. It's like, it's gotta be able to change. That gives me hope basically is stories like that. So that gives me a lot of inspiration, I guess, to just be calm in these situations. Try to be calm. I don't know. As an ally, I do my job and be calm and call people in. And I, every time I think I'm shitting on people that have different views of me, even though they're about truth, you gotta, invite them and challenge their logic calmly because humans are so defensive and you attack them they just shrivel up it can be very encouraging but also discouraging at the same time because when you talk about that musician my first thought was Jimi hendrix he was big in Alabama, like he grew up in the south uh but like his whole gimmick was playing the guitar with his teeth and that all stemmed from racism. He was playing the guitar in Alabama and they pretty much were like, if you don't do something entertaining, we'll shoot at your feet. Like, we'll make you dance. Like, yeah, yeah, crazy, right? And like, he didn't even blow up, like become this big musician in America. He had to go to the UK because racism was so bad here that they wouldn't even give him the time of day. He had to go to the UK, play in London, where at a club where the Beatles and like the Rolling Stones just happened to frequent and they were like, holy shit, this dude's amazing because the GOAT, one of my favorite people ever. Um, and it wasn't until like, you know, all these, you know, influential white men were like, hey, you should give this guy a chance yeah. that he was able to come back to the US, play Woodstock, mm-hmm. you know, do probably the most famous rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Like, and that was like, five years into his career after and he served in the military too but that's always something that just like people like nah he's just a musician you know like it's like he also like risked himself for his country that would not you know even look in his direction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this messed up yeah it's crazy He's got a really interesting story. Definitely recommend PBS's Hear My Train Coming. Great documentary. It's incredible. You just just moving around moving around the apartment over there? Yeah, I mean, I just love Jimi Hendrix so much. <laughs> yeah, Naomi also moves around a lot during the podcast. Just, um, there was no light, and I realized that it looked like I was a bald man, and I, I didn't. Look <laughs> it wasn't a good look for me, so I gotcha. just I figured it out. But anyways, I feel like we're wrapping up here. Is there anything that you want to say to our millions of followers? Our, our, we're so famous, Curtis. Really we're so famous. Really, my awesome. dad and my grandma are most uh, <laughs> perfect. You know, perfect. Faithful. Maybe maybe they'll watch it and they'll have a you know somebody that they're an older couple that they know or something that are against some of these things and they have a conversation. That's how this all happens. Is like small little ripples, right? So you guys are significant. You guys are still helping out with these this issue. And I like doing things like this. It's fun. I get to I get to talk about it with you. You guys get better talking about it. You, you girls get better talking about it. I get better talking about it. Everybody wins. So I just ta- talking to them. Just like I don't know. Just everybody's got to set aside a little time for like society. That's just what I think. It doesn't take a lot. Start with 20 minutes a day. I don't know. Go on Google. Just learn something. Learn something about this issue that you don't know. I don't know. That's that's all I would say. Just uh, continue to get uncomfortable. I'm learning as I go. I still need to have a, have a lot of stuff to do. And I'm trying to balance that out with my life, but working at it. Well, thank you for making And with all this information at our fingertips at all times, you would think that it would be like more of like just an instant connection there like oh maybe i should look into this but it's just like, yeah yeah oh the bible told me it wasn't like this although that's worth thing it. i'm very thankful for my jewish upbringing i don't know naomi if you relate to this at all but you know growing up jewish it was very inclusive 
Like we were never taught homosexuality is a sin. We were never taught that like race is an issue. Well, as, like they're any different because of race, because obviously mm -hmm. racism is an issue. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's definitely a fundamental difference I've noticed it versus like Christianity and Judaism. Yeah. Same book too, same mm -hmm. book, mm -hmm. but yet they still have the completely different connotations of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, I just, for my Passover Seder, we had a super inclusive um, Haggadah, which is like the book you read from as you like go through the Seder. Like a little pamphlet. Yeah. And so ours, it's usually like, it asks the four sons questions. And my Haggadah was like, ask the four children questions. Like it becomes, you know, it, Judaism is one of those incredibly inclusive, at least at the reformed levels, cultures. And I think that that's something that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, Absolutely, but I'm not yeah. grateful getting stuck with the four questions every year because I'm the youngest. Although I haven't done them in the past two years. <laughs> Just Jewish things. Just the Jewish things, torturing your youngest child.
Don't, definitely have to, uh, you know, splice that in the beginning. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we, I mean, me. <laughs> oh my god! Looking at you, yeah. Naomi. <laughs> yeah, I don't do the editing. That's not my forte. But anyways, um, thank you for joining us, Rachel. Yes, thank always you so much, Chris. This was an amazing conversation. Like it was amazing to have you on here, and you know, you coming on, supporting us really means the world to us. Okay. It really does. It really does. Like again, we're so small. Like we just started a few weeks ago and just having you come on and having your support really means the world. It really does. No problem. We're so grateful for you. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. Guys. See you guys. And keep doing amazing things. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> oh, he was such a sweet angel. I told you you were going to love him. I did. I did. He was like an incredibly energetic, like, I don't know. Anyways, I'm super fucking late, so I'm going to go. Um, Let me know when this happens. Okay. Okay. Later, dude. Bye. Love you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.